You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to talk to Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com. We're going to continue to analyze the NFL draft. He gave out a bunch of grades on EstablishTheRun.com for all the teams in in the NFL, and I want to talk to him specifically about what he thought about the Eagles did and about some of the teams in the NFC East, and uh, just get his thoughts on the current state of the Eagles. Eagles organization, and we'll take a look at uh, who he thinks might be the best team in the NFC East, as it is uh, kind of a toss-up at this point. So we will get to all of those things coming up here in the next few minutes on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But first, just a reminder, folks, to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the latest news and rumors and notes about what your Philadelphia Eagles are doing as we are going to now start to head into a little bit of a dead zone. Uh, This will be a good opportunity for us to preview some teams over the next few weeks who are going to be on the Eagles schedule. So uh, you want to keep sticking around and I'll be talking to some of the best NFL analysts and uh, broadcasters in the business uh, over these next few weeks as well uh, as we get you ready for training camp and anything else that is going on here during uh, during the course of the summer months. But anyway, let's talk to Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com. Of course, you you hopefully already follow him on Twitter. If you don't, he's at Evan Silva. Evan, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? John, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, I took my, my two days of recovery after the draft. Uh, just <laughs> literally slept for like, uh, I don't know, 36 of the last 48 hours. Um, but we had a really successful draft in terms of draft props. Had a, had a, a rock solid mock draft again uh, this year. So um, now ex- excited to do something different. You know, we, mm-hmm. we did draft, like hit it so hard for three weeks, you know, just three straight weeks there leading yeah. into the draft. And, and now we're going to transition into hardcore fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're serious about playing fantasy football or, or sports betting, we're going to do a sports betting podcast. And we really mm-hmm. integrated that into our coverage big time last year, had a great year uh, uh, in, in terms of sports betting. Come check us out at establish the run, establish the run.com. Now, I, back in the day, a few years ago, Evan and I, uh, I used to I used to pester the heck out of Evan for fantasy football advice uh, on on direct message, and uh, he, he always helped me out. He always he led me in the right path. So, man, make sure you're uh, you're on EstablishTheRun.com. Those guys really know what they're talking about. And so, um, you know, Evan, as as you're getting ready for the draft, and and as you're doing all the work after the draft, I know the grades are the big thing. Every you know, basically every every uh, media outlet is is going to grade the draft, and without these guys. I actually playing obviously it can't be based on how well they do in the pros because it's obviously too soon to know that so what just before we start talking about grades because i know you graded all the afc and nfc teams what is your criteria like what do you you what do you use as your measuring stick when when you're grading teams based on their draft performance well i've done this for a lot of years and i tried it uh you know over the years i've tried a lot of different ways uh, to grade to to grade each uh, team's draft, and you know I tried the traditional way and the 
the, the short form way, just do like two sentences on each team and assign a grade and give no explanation for why you gave that grade. And, <laughs> um, you know, just talk about all my opinions on all the players and some of that stuff's going to be right. And some of that stuff's going to be wrong. And it's just, it's hit or miss. It's, it even is so for uh, the, the teams as well. So what I, I really have kind of settled on boiling it down to when I, when I grade teams and I, and I, I put a lot of time into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to, I mean, you're putting a micros- microscope on each team, but you're also, you're also trying to zoom out and trying to figure out what there is, what their approach is. Mm-hmm. Maybe you combine it a little bit with, what they did in free agency. We're, we're grading the draft year, so we're not grading an entire offseason. Bill Barnwell does a great um, just full offseason grade article uh, each year, and you, you could check that out. But for, for these instances, we're, we're just grading the draft. But when you when you zoom out a little bit and you look at all the moves that a team has made in the offseason, and teams are going to make a couple moves here and there uh, you know, before training camp, but for the most part, rosters are set. Yeah. You can really get an idea of, what in a team, what a team's approach is and how they are trying to build and also how they uh, value positions. Some teams I think are better at uh, valuing, uh, placing an emphasis on, on position value than others. Mm-hmm. And also I think that um, your, you know, your, your approach to grading each team should be specific to each draft. Like for instance, this draft was a really bad draft. Um, I don't think it was bad up top. I think in the first three rounds or so, it was pretty good. I think in the top 15, it was really good. Hmm. But uh, for the most part, like players that were drafted in the back end of the first round generally would have been fringe first rounders, I think, in a normal year and, hmm. and for the most part, second rounders. Okay. And then players that were drafted on day three normally would be uh, undrafted free agents. So you, you saw some teams like the Dolphins, for instance, they made five picks in the top 81 and they were done. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they, they took from, from there on out, I think they took like two seventh round flyers, but they, they like, they aligned their draft with, um, uh, you know, how the, how the draft actually was in, yeah. in terms of where the talent was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, uh, I assigned extra credit in my grades for teams that traded out of this year's draft and into next year's draft, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be really, really good. And I mean, can't possibly be as bad as this year's was. And, <laughs> you know, the, actually the Eagles made a lot of picks uh, on day three. And I, I didn't love that about their draft, but we'll, we'll get to that. I, I did like their draft and we'll talk about it. Yeah, no. And I, let's jump right into the Eagles here, because I think obviously the storyline in Philadelphia leading into the draft was that Howie Roseman might have been drafting for his job. I'm, I'm less sure of that based on some of the other moves the team has made. And the fact the Eagles probably are not going to be good this year anyway. So you're not firing a general manager based on wins and losses here in 2021. But this was an important draft after so many misses in, in the first couple of rounds these last few years. He really needed to he really needed to have a strong uh, first day, day one and day two. And you know, I th- I love the day one maneuvers. Obviously, he read the draft really well by moving from six to twelve. I don't know if it's luck or if he really did know, based on his connections around the league, that Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase would be off the board at six. But it worked out. He moves down to twelve, and then with the extra third round pick, he moves up. You know, a couple spots. He maybe overpays to move up a couple spots a little bit, but they get Devonte Smith who a lot of people feel could be one of the most, one of the best wide receiver talents to come out of this draft. So um, let's just talk specifically about your thoughts on, on Devonte Smith and, and Howie Roseman's maneuvers in round one. Yeah. So I think that we should set this up with my general feelings on why the Eagles have gone on such a downturn 
um, yeah. over, over the past couple years. And I, I feel like this is not going to be popular because everyone hates Howie right now. <laughs> and, you know, I, my, my buddy, Adam Levitan lives in Philly and he feels it, yeah. you know, so he relays to me the, the thinking, uh, you know, about the team. And I mean, I, I get it. I, I truly understand that perspective, but my perspective, uh, you know, and from the outside and not having, you know, any passionate love or hate for the Eagles whatsoever, just observing them mm-hmm. as a team, um, you know, just pure for, from pure objectivity is that they've the, the main reason for their downturn. And I know people are going to hate this, <laughs> but it's because they've had really, really bad luck. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, and, and, and it's, it's re- it starts with uh, injuries, mm-hmm. which, I mean, they've been one of the most injured teams, even during their Super Bowl year, yeah. they, they were an injured team and they lost the freaking MVP that year right. to an injury, you right. know? Yeah. Um, and, and they've, I mean, there, there have been years where they've just gotten wiped out on both sides of the ball. They're secondary. You know, they have cluster injuries. They have injuries yeah. where, you know, they'll lose like four wide receivers or they'll lose, you know, three critical DBs or three critical defensive linemen or their entire offensive line is wiped out due to injuries. And that I, I, I can understand how you can make an argument that it's not luck that maybe, you know, they, they need to improve their uh, conditioning program or something like that. But for the most part, it's luck like, and it's variance and football outsiders has done great work. It's they do something uh, every year called the injury index. Yep. And, you know, one year the Rams will be the healthiest team in the league. And then the next year they'll be the, the least healthy, healthy team in the league, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's random variants and they have hit, you know, on the, the, the wrong side of variance, like year after year, the Eagles have. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. then also in the draft, the draft, if you boil it down, it, it, it it's very much based on luck mm-hmm. and, and, you know, fans ideas of, uh, you know, like some people being great talent evaluators and that that's even a thought inside the league is largely just it's, it's false. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Scott McLuhan is, is regarded as one of the best talent evaluators in the NFL. And I mean, he has had egregious takes mm-hmm. over the years, you know, on, on individual players. And I mean, I think it gets more than it gets, gets more right than it gets wrong, mm-hmm. but he's had some, I mean, he thought Christian Hackenberg was going to be a starter, you know, in, in the NFL, <laughs> you know, so um you know, it's, they, they've really ended up on the wrong side of variance. And I feel like people are going to hear this and think it's just letting Howie off the hook, but it's my true belief. And, you know, as to the downturn of the Eagles. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, there's no doubt that we've talked about it on the podcast on all our podcasts about the, the injury bug that has, that has hit this team. I think specifically the, where Howie really gets it is passing over DK Metcalf and, and going with JJ Ortega Whiteside a couple of years ago, the Andre Diller trade up um, where you've got a guy here who it looks like Jordan Mailata is ahead of him on the depth chart. So there's a couple of picks that are just kind of gotten thrown away and yeah. just, you know, the Justin Jefferson over Jalen Rager thing. It's always right. too soon to say exactly what Jalen Rager is going to be, but that looks like a miss. I mean, there's been some high profile misses, which is what made his performance in this year's draft. So, so important and so interesting. And like you're saying, this was a bad draft. There was mo- most of the talent was in the first five rounds. And so uh, that's what I typically look at. I typically look at rounds one through five, because even on good drafts, you rarely get anybody from rounds six or seven that is going to be make an impact on your football team. So, what grade did you give the Eagles uh, for, for their overall draft this year? I gave the Eagles a B for their draft. And I, I'm, I'm like a hard drafter. I'm not one of these people that 
you know, I saw like PFF, the worst grade they gave anybody was like a C plus or something. That. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I actually give teams D's. I, I don't think I give anybody an F this year, uh, but I have mm. given teams an F in the past. I gave a bunch of D's this year. Uh, but I, I do think that the Eagles had a good draft um, th- this season. And, and, and it began with the move up for De- Devontae Smith. I, giving up a third rounder to move two spots sounds like a lot. But I think in this scenario, making sure that they were, it was heavily rumored that the Giants wanted him yeah. um, at number 11. I'm friends with uh, Jordan Renan, who covers mm-hmm. the uh, covers the Giants. And he was, you know, insistent that the Giants wanted Jalen Waddell, who was obviously gone well before the pick or, or Devonte Smith. So the Eagles, you know, kind of were able to, um, to root that out and they got ahead of that and they, they solved a big time need. And, you know, the weight on Devonte Smith, I think is a concern, but when you watch him play and when you look at his production, you know, um, yeah. that, that, that kind of stuff speaks for itself. The dude won the freaking Heisman in the Blitnikoff award. No one could cover him at the highest level of college football they went and got him, and I applaud them for that. And I think it was actually worth it, even though I'm usually a proponent of training, trading down. Mm-hmm. In this particular instance, I'm, I'm fine with giving up number 80, 84. Yeah, and then in the, in the second round, you know, I think that um, it's a very interesting pick, and, and maybe this entire draft kind of hinges on, on, on what Landon Dickerson does because it's a risky move to go after a guy who has, who has had so many seasons end with injuries, but a first round talent in a draft where, like you said, the talent is kind of few and far between getting a guy Lander Dickerson in that spot could be a stroke of genius. I, I have heard some of the conversation about, you know, what's, you know, you're, you're getting a center guard in this particular case. And those are kind of guys you don't necessarily want to spend, you know, a high round high draft capital on, but um, he's got to be really good. If this draft, if this pick is going to work out really well, like he basically has to be the successor to Jason Kelsey. So what, what did you think of Lander Dickerson and the other day to pick Louisiana defensive tackle Milton Williams? Well, I thought that the Steelers should have taken Landon Dickerson at number 24 and okay. not taken the running back. The Steelers have a horrible offensive line and landed, but I understand why Dickerson slipped a little bit because of his, um, you know, his injury history and teams project that he might only last four or five years in the NFL. You know what? You get four or five good years out of, out of Landon Dickerson. And I, I think it's, it's worth it at number 37. Um, you can go watch Brian Baldinger's breakdown of Landon Dickerson. I mean, it's, it's excellent. Bald, you know, Baldy's a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a former Eagle. Oh, I yeah. think he, he spent the majority of his career with, with the Eagles, I believe. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and he, uh, and, you know, he did these breakdowns before the draft, so it's not like he's rooting for the Eagles, <laughs> right. but, uh, but he, you know, his awesome breakdowns on Twitter. Uh, so I would check that out, but Landon Dickerson is as an absolute badass. He's a first round talent. Um, he, uh, I, you know, and I understand he's a center guard, but I think he's well. It was interesting that they announced him as a guard. Yeah, they did not announce him as a center, so I think he probably starts over Sumalo. Do you think at left guard? I think he's going to be the fifth, uh, like the sixth, the sixth guy in the rotation. I, I think oh, really? Sumalo okay. is going to be the starter, but I think. Okay. I think he's going to, I think he's going to see time. I think he's going to be in a, in a rotation with those guys. Um, I think you're right. They probably and, and they're, they're ex- fully expecting Brooks to be back. They are. Yeah. Oh, it looks okay. like Brooks is amazingly Brooks is going to be back. So it looks okay. like Brooks and Johnson on the right. And you know, the left tackle situation is still a little bit up in the air, but uh, okay. you know, I think he's going to play and I think he's going to, yeah. you know, given how injury prone the offensive line has been the last few years, it wouldn't surprise me if he plays a lot early. Right. Yeah. No question. So uh, yeah. So, and then, Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, yeah. Um, well, I, I think that when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who they, they've clearly committed 
to Jalen Hurts for 2021. Yeah. You want to have a strong offensive line. You want to be able to move. You want to be able to move people with your mm-hmm. offensive line. You want, you don't want Jalen Hurts dropping back to pass 50 times in a game. Right. You know, you can look at the Ravens model to some extent. Jalen Hurts is in a work in progress as a passer, as was Lamar Jackson coming out of college. Uh, but they were able to put Lamar Jackson behind a really good offensive line, um, you know, uh, uh, scheme it up, use a lot of two tight end sets, uh, which the Eagles have the capability of doing as well, assuming yeah. that they hang on to, to Zach Ertz. We'll see about that. Um, and then, you know, give them some dudes who can make plays downfield. And I think that they're sort of building in the Ravens likeness to some extent. And even if, I guess, if Landers, Landon Dickerson doesn't start week one, which I, I still kind of think that he will, because I just think he's a stud yeah. um, and he's better than uh, Brandon Brooks coming off the Achilles or, or Sumalu at left guard. Um, either way, you know, you're going to have not only a strong front five, but also you got some serious depth on the yeah. offensive line. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the big thing he provides, I think is depth if he's able to stay healthy because he did play some tackle in college as well. Uh, probably that's not a position you want him playing a lot in the pros, but all right, Philadelphia Eagles draft grade B and in the NFC East, that was the top grade. Although a couple of the other teams were not far behind. You mentioned the giants and, and you know, that they were really targeting a wide receiver in the first round. Let's talk about the giants draft. You gave them a B minus. I can't for the life of me figure out why they were targeting wide receivers so much here in the first round, considering they went and got, got Kenny Galladay and the rest of their wide receiver room already appears to be pretty full. Can you give me any insight on what the giants are, why they are so hot, why they were so hot on another wide receiver in round number one, even to the point where after they traded back, they still went they wide still, receiver. I, and I think they kind of reached for Kadarius Tony too. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were just hell bent on making that happen. Apparently they think that um, Sterling Shepard and Evan, Evan Ingram are not going to be back next year uh, or in 2022. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this regime needs to make it to 2022. You <laughs> yeah. Know? So yeah. why are you planning for 2022 when you have to get past 2021? Right. So right. I didn't like that. What I really liked about the Eagle or the, the Giants draft is that they did that thing where they traded into next year's draft. Yeah. And they, they I mean, they got really good. I mean, they got really good value. I mean, they moved down in the first uh, in, a, in a deal with the um, – uh, bears mm-hmm. and they moved down uh, in a deal with, I believe it was the dolphins and they wound up coming away with uh first third and fourth round picks in next year's draft. Yeah. That's great. Um, now, now the players that they came away with, and, and this is where it goes back to my sort of the way that I grade these drafts, you know, and I don't know who's going to be good or not. I, I definitely have my opinions. Um, and, but I mean, I'm put, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to put them out there, but I, I don't think that they're the Bible, but I do think, that you can have a strong and confident take that trading out of this year's draft into next year's draft, I think was a smart move. And they did that twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would have re- uh, preferred to see them come out of the first round. Like they had a chance to take Christian Derisaw at yeah. number 20 uh, and he would have really solidified one of their tackle spots. And then if you watch the Colts post draft um, uh, video and the Colts always, always put out great uh, post draft videos uh, they the Colts were like they they thought for sure that the Giants were going to take Quiddy Pay at number twenty, mm-hmm. and the Colts draft me was like yes, 
Yes, that Quiddy Pay made it to 21 so that the Colts could take him. That reminds me a lot of the Vikings video that came out last year when they couldn't believe the Eagles passed on oh, Jefferson. Yeah. And they're like, get oh, the card yeah. up there. Get the card up there. Don't even waste time. I know. Those always, those always hurt a little bit. Um, all right, so the Giants, a, a B-minus. The Dallas Cowboys, you also gave a B-minus. They took Micah Parsons uh, in the first round, the Penn State linebacker. And as expected, they went heavy on defense here in this draft. And I think there's still some kind of question. What, are they going to, you know, are they 4-3? They are they 3-4? Like the, the players that they're getting, is it going to match up with the, the scheme that they want to run? I mean, I know the offense is pretty stacked. If Dak can stay healthy, I think the, the offense is going to score. How good a draft did the Cowboys have? Obviously a B-minus. What did you like about their draft? Yeah, I just thought it was like nuts and bolts, rock solid and what they needed to do because they're mm-hmm. returning a top five, what should be a top five offense, maybe even top three mm-hmm. uh, with that coming back and the entire offensive line coming back. And they just went right down. They took like, you know, the the top uh, defensive player on their board six straight times to begin the draft. And I mean, I get it. Like they, they, were, un- they were unable to do a whole lot. They had to do the DAC deal. They were unable to do a whole lot. Uh, in free agency when it con- when it came to upgrading their defense. They did switch out the defensive coordinators going from Mike Nolan to Dan Quinn, and they hope that that will spark the defense to some extent. Um, but they needed, you know, upgrades in, in terms of personnel, and I, I think that they did they did pretty well to, to, uh, to bring in some. I don't know if they're going to – the 3-4, the 4-3 four, four, thing doesn't really matter anymore because teams play sub-package – and nickel and dime yeah. uh, on 70% of their downs That's where true. they're only playing two linebackers anyway. And in many instances, they only play one linebacker mm-hmm. and they've got, you know, a ton of pass r- rushers and a ton of um, uh, cover guys. So the three, four, four, th- four, three thing is just d- doesn't really matter anymore. Um, okay. But they do now technically have the personnel to run three, four, because they got a ton of linebackers. They stole Jabril Cox out of LSU in the fourth round. All right, so the Dallas Cowboys with a, a B minus draft, and and the grade that you, the team you gave the worst grade to is the Washington Football Team uh, with a C minus, so a slightly less than average draft. Um, give me your thoughts on on what on how Washington did last weekend. Well, I kind of like the entirety of uh, Washington's off uh, off season, and I like the direction that they are going in. But this is another team that had an opportunity to take Christian Derisaw, uh, who, you know, played college football not too far uh, from, from where uh, uh, the, the football team plays in, at Virginia Tech yeah. and um, would have immediately solved a huge uh, glaring weakness on their offensive line. Their, the left side of their offensive line, their left guard, left tackle, are just completely up in the air. And Derisaw could have stepped in there week one and I think been their starter for many, many years. Instead, they got all wrapped up in this Jameen Davis guy who apparently Ron Rivera – formerly the coach of the uh, Panthers who, you know, for many years, I mean, went to a Super Bowl with uh, 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 if I'm recalling correctly with Thomas Davis mm-hmm. uh, at, at weak side linebacker and um, Jameen Davis uh, out of Kentucky is a guy that he just clearly like fell in love with. And I think when you fall in love with off ball linebackers uh, and, and you, you know, forget about your offensive line and they did come back and, and address the offensive line in, in round two with Sam Cosme of Texas. Hmm. I, I would have rather them seen, seen them take Christian Derrissaw and Sam Cosme and truly shore up that offensive line rather than dedicating a first round resource to an off ball linebacker. 
Yeah. First rounders to linebackers. I'm it's, it's, I mean, unless you're got, you've got a generational talent there at linebacker and you're taking him. you know, he's an unstoppable force. That that's a, that's a really risky call there by, by Washington. So after the draft here, like you mentioned just a minute ago, these rosters are mostly set. Some of these teams are going to add a couple guys like the, the Eagles will probably add a cornerback, you know, at some point, you know, the there'll, there'll be other additions, but based on what you see right now, who do you think, who do you like as the best team in this division? I, 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 to me, it's, it's, it's kind of a toss up between Washington and Dallas at the moment. Is that where you are with them? Who do you have? Yeah, actually, I think, and I, this is a really um, uh, interesting division to bet mm. uh, because you can get some good odds. Like on the, I, first of all, because I think that first of all, you know, when you're betting on like a division winner, all you have to do is have a team finish first out of four. And, yeah. you know, when you can get some good odds on, you know, the like the, the last rated team to, to win the division, like the Eagles are right now. And really, I mean, how much better are the Cowboys and Washington than the Eagles and the Giants? I mean, they're, I think they're all really bunched up together. Mm-hmm. Hey, if Jalen Hurts comes on and is like the dual threat playmaker that he flashed at times that he could be last year and this defense, you know, comes together a little bit, which I, I think they'll be better than they were last year. They've got a a potentially kick-ass offensive line. Um, Dallas Goddard, I think, could take over and be a, a dominant force this year. I think we'll see a step forward from Jalen Rieger. I think Devontae Smith is, is, is NFL ready. You know, Miles Sanders, people forget about him. Yeah. Um, I think he's – people have been forgetting about him uh, early in, in fantasy drafts. He's, like, going in the third round. Last year he was going, like, middle of the first round. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I – I, I like betting on uh, Washington because I truly think that they are the best team in the division. And they're still, you could still get them at like plus, I don't know, plus 200 or something, but you okay. could get the Eagles at like plus 400. <laughs> and I think people are, are, are kind of sleeping on them. I think they're going to be better, better than people think. That's encouraging to hear because I know, you know, and obviously for those of us who cover the team, it's been, it was such a gloomy, gloomy year last year that yeah. um, it's, it's really hard to wrap, wrap your mind around this team actually being good, but you're right. I mean, the, the key is, I don't know hurts. if they'll be good, but I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I, I, but I, I do think that they might be able to win this division. I mean, mm-hmm. just because the division is still bad yeah. and these teams are really bunched together. There's no separation. I, I, I think there's very limited separation between the four. All right. Well, listen, Evan, as we're wrapping things up here, um, what can folks be looking forward to at EstablishTheRun.com here over the next few weeks and months as you guys get ready for fantasy football? Yeah, just our, uh, our draft kit will be coming out, our fantasy football draft kit. If you're into best ball, um, especially, that'll be valuable right away. And uh, uh, my top 150 rankings will be coming out and uh, my tiers, which I think are, are really useful. Those are so valuable. I love them. <laughs> yeah, and um, all, all that stuff will be coming out. Uh, uh, May 10th, I, I think we're going live with everything. All right. So that's guys, Monday. That's Monday. Yeah. Wow. Monday, May 10th. Wow, this year's flying by. All right. Go to establish the run.com. Check out the establish the run podcast with Evan Silva. Find all his stuff on Twitter at Evan Silva. Evan, thanks for coming on. Eye on the enemy, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Let's do it again. Well, up next, I'm going to give you some of my thoughts. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about what Evan Silva had to say about the Eagles chances here in 2021. We'll do that coming up next here on eye on the enemy. 
And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So I did want to circle back to what Evan Silva was talking about there in the last segment concerning the Eagles' chances in the NFC East. I, I kind of like where he's coming from with this. If, you, if you're looking to, and, and I'm not a big gambling guy, so uh, you take this for, for what it's worth, but you know, if, if you're looking at all four teams and, and you were someone who wanted to put a wager down on who would win the NFC East, if, if you were getting good odds, the Eagles aren't a crazy choice. Simply because all four of these teams, like Evan said, maybe their rosters aren't as far apart as we think they are here in Philadelphia. Maybe the Eagles aren't as bad as we think they are. Maybe maybe the distance and the gap between the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Washington football team and even the New York Giants isn't as big as we think it is because this was a team that was pretty banged up last year, especially on the offensive line. But there are holes on this team. There, there are a million things that would have to go right for the Eagles to win the, win the NFC East in 2021. So what are some of those things? Like, If the Eagles were going to win the NFC East, and, and let's say it takes a, even a 9-7 and seven record to do it, I think I think all of these things, or at least most of these things that I'm going to list for you, have to happen. And I think the most important thing, and I think everyone agrees with this, is that Jalen Hurts really needs to be kind of the second coming of Donovan McNabb. Remember Donovan McNabb, uh, his rookie season, he played the last five games uh, in 1999. Doug Peterson actually started as the quarterback that year. He got a little bit of game action in at the end of the season. He got his feet under him. You know, he got a little bit of experience there. He wasn't particularly good, but he was exciting. You know, he ran he ran around a lot. He made some plays, and you, you could see that there that there was something there. Now, Donovan McNabb was the number two overall pick in the 1999 draft, so there was a pedigree there. You knew he was going to be the franchise quarterback. With Jalen Hurts, he's a second-round pick. You don't know that Jalen Hurts is going to be the franchise quarterback. The, you, I don't think there is the same confidence level about Jalen Hurts' future that at least I had in Donovan McNabb's future uh, back, in, back in 1999. And when he, when he had a great season in 2000, the Eagles surprised people. They, they took a big leap in Andy Reid's second season, and it was mostly because of the play of their dynamic second-year quarterback. And I think if the Eagles are going to do something similar, if they're going to make a similar jump, I, I think that's the comparison we're looking at here. We're looking where if the Eagles make the playoffs, if if they are competitive, it's going to be like a 1999 to 2000 type jump. Because I think there's a lot of similarities between Jalen Hurts and Donovan McNabb. And, and whatever you think of McNabb, I still believe he's the best quarterback in franchise history. He won a ton of football games for this team. He had a maddening inability to win the big one at times, and, and he played poorly in a lot of those NFC Championship games, and he played poorly in the Super Bowl, so you can certainly knock him for that, but you can't knock the fact that he was a very, very good quarterback. I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback personally, but I know a lot of folks, many of you listening, don't agree with that. Jalen Hurts, if this team is going to win, needs to have a season in 2021 in much the same way Donovan McNabb had in 2000. He doesn't need to be the top-rated passer in the league, but there has to be some development in his ability as a thrower. There has to be. I mean, he can make all the throws. We saw some of the throws that he made last year when he was making plays, and we know he can run around. We know he can scramble. We know he can buy time behind the line of scrimmage in order to get the ball downfield, but it's it's the in-rhythm throws. And again, you look at the skill position talent that he had around him towards the end of last year. You look at the constantly rotating offensive line, and frankly, that coaching staff was in disarray, as we later found out. So there were a lot of headwinds that Jalen Hurts was dealing with, and he he didn't play in the final game of the season because the Eagles were tanking that game to the Washington football team. So I don't know what to expect from Jalen Hurts here in 2021. I don't think anybody knows what to expect from Hurts this season. 
it could be a stinker of a season. It could look a lot like he did in the in the handful of games he played last year where he's mediocre most of the time. He flashes some really great moments and he's pretty bad in, in other spots. I mean, Jalen Hurts could be one of those two guys or he could blossom. He under Nick Sirianni with some hopefully some improvements on at, at wide receiver and on the offensive line, maybe and we're going to get into that in just a second. Maybe Jalen Hurts becomes a star quarterback. That kind of has to happen. Right? That kind of has to happen if the Eagles are going to be good in in 2021. Jalen Hurts really needs to turn into a star and play like a franchise quarterback. That's really the only way I think this team can win. If all of the other things I I read to you after this, all the things I say to you after this, if they all come true and Jalen Hurts isn't good, I don't think it's going to matter all that much. Because your backup is, is Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco is... Not a guy who's going to lead you to the playoffs at this point anymore. Maybe he wins you a couple of games during a a three or four game absence from your starting quarterback. But it's going to be on Jalen Hurts' legs and Jalen Hurts' arm that the Eagles go to the postseason in 2021 if they go. And so that's the number one thing, the most important thing that needs to happen for the Eagles to win the NFC East. And I don't think that's the most likely scenario, but it's not a non-zero possibility. And so what are the odds of that? Where, where do we put the chances of Jalen Hurts being a really good quarterback in 2021? In my mind, I'm probably putting it at about 25%. I, I think there's a one in four chance that Jalen Hurts is a really good quarterback, that he he puts in a star-level performance and, and is able to play well enough to make the Eagles a viable postseason contender, to make them a viable division uh, division winner. I think that's I think that's a it's definitely in the realm of possibility here. I think the odds are greater that he's not quite that good, that he's not able to to and that would be a Herculean task. But I mean we remember what Donovan McNabb did in two thousand. He took the NFL by storm. That that's that doesn't mean he was the best quarterback in the NFL, but he was dynamic. He was a playmaker and he made enough plays with his arms and his legs to win a lot of football games for that for that team that year. And took the Philadelphia Eagles to the postseason as a wild card. So that's the kind of season. He needs to have a Donovan McNabb-like season in his second year, the same way Donovan had in his second year if the Eagles are going to contend for the division title in 2021. Now, along with Jalen Hurts becoming a star, I think the only way that happens is if the offensive line stays healthy. If the offensive line stays healthy, as Evan said, it has the opportunity to be pretty good. I don't know who's going to win that left tackle battle, whether it's going to be Jordan Mailata or Andre Dillard. That will probably be a training camp battle. I would think that Mailata probably has the inside track, but let's not forget Andre Dillard was a first-round pick that Howie Roseman traded up to get. He's going to want that guy to win the job to justify that pick. So, I think Dillard's going to get a chance to win that job, and we'll see if he's able to to rouse the competitive nature and shed the uh, the big loser energy that BLG's always talking about that it seems like he has and win that job from a kid in Jordan Mailata who played over his head last year, overachieved, really played better than anyone thought he could. So that'll be an interesting battle, but that's at a, that's at a crucial spot on the offensive line, right? And so at the left guard spot, you have Isaac Samalo for another year. Samalo is a, is a very viable, uh, versatile offensive lineman. Jason Kelsey is back for one more year at center. When he's healthy, he's still a very good player, but... He's getting older. Brandon Brooks should be back at right guard. He's getting older. Lane Johnson's at right tackle. He's going to be another year older. Those guys are talented. Those guys are very good when they're healthy. But you wonder if another year 
if an if the the fact that they're a year older, coming off of injuries, most of them, whether or not that's gonna they're going to be able to do that over a 17-game season. And, of course, now we're playing 17 games. And maybe Landon Dickerson comes in right away and, as part of a rotation, is able to spell some of those guys, is able to spell Brandon Brooks, is able to to spell Jason Kelsey, Isaac Samalo, some of those guys. I mean, that that's kind of what his role is going to be here in his rookie season. If the offensive line can stay healthy, then they can they can pass block. They can protect Jalen Hurts, and they can open some holes in the running game. But... That's a big if because the offensive line, as we all saw last year, was a rotating mash unit, and this team has had horrible luck with injuries. Um, the Eagles on defense need to address cornerback, and I think as part of this, Darius Slay needs to needs to step it up a little bit. He was good last year, but he wasn't great. He wasn't worth the investment that they made in him. You would hope this year maybe he's able to get a few more turnovers. He's he's able to have a little bit more impact at the cornerback position. Avante Maddox as your number two cornerback still scares the, the, the jeepers out of me. I still think they will go out and get another cornerback, but it's probably going to be something along the lines of a Craven LeBlanc or something like that. Maybe not him specifically, but a, a player of that caliber. So maybe someone they can move to the outside and, and, and bring Avante Maddox uh, on the inside and make him the slot corner again. Maybe there'll be a camp casualty or two that the Eagles will be able to go scoop up. But again, they don't have a ton of money to spend, so uh, it, it's going to be tricky for them to add somebody who's really going to make a drastic I- improvement there. Maybe Zach McPherson is, is a little bit better than we, than we think he's going to be, the fourth-round draft pick, and he's able to do a little bit more. But again, he's probably mostly going to be a slot corner as well, at least to start. And I, I think Jonathan Gannon, I'm, in, I'm interested to to see what he does as defensive coordinator. We got so used to Jim Schwartz and Jim Schwartz's style. Gannon is coming in here with a shortage of cornerbacks. An interesting linebacker room. I'm, I'm kind of curious about Sean Bradley. I'm kind of curious about um, uh, Eric Wilson. You know, I think I think they've got an interesting group of linebackers. I don't know if they're good. I, I think the linebackers have to play well and make some plays, create some turnovers, uh, get get involved in. in doing a better job uh, stopping tight ends and stopping the passing game. And, you know, the defensive line has to get has to get pressure. This team needs more sacks. They, they, need, they need Fletcher Cox. He's getting older, but they need him to play better. They need him to be more consistent and be more impactful on the inside of the defensive line. So, I mean, I, but I am curious to see what Gannon's going to do with this defense. A new defensive voice, a new defensive coordinator will be interesting. I think, I think uh, Jim Schwartz did a, a good job during the time that he was here, but... Uh, a change of a change of pace, I think, it could benefit this defense. And you know, speaking of the coaching staff, we don't know what Nick Sirianni's going to do. I, I think he's. He, it'll be interesting to see how creative he gets with the offense. Is he going to run the ball a little bit more? Is he going to throw the ball a little bit more? Uh, is he going to find creative ways to unleash Miles Sanders? Because Miles Sanders is probably their most dynamic skill position player outside of Jalen Hurts, and it just felt like he didn't get utilized properly last year. They couldn't figure out a way to get him involved in the passing game. Turning Miles Sanders back into a dual threat, a running back pass receiving threat out of the backfield is key. I think that's going to be a big deal for this team. And I don't think Jeffrey Lurie should be dragging Nick Sirianni into his office if Nick Sirianni decides he has to run the ball 40 times a game in order in order to put points up on the board. You got to do whatever you got to do to win football games. And if Jeff Lurie can't understand that, then he really should not be owning this football team. So I, I think unleashing Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders is an injury-prone guy, so Miles Sanders has to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy because, you know, Kenny Gainwell... Heaven help us. I mean, I hope he's great, you know, but I'm not I'm not banking on a fifth round pick making an impact in his rookie season. And then you're looking at Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. 
who are fine. Boston Scott's fine, but he's not. You don't want him as a starter for any length of time. So, uh, getting the running game, you know, unleashing Miles Sanders in the running game and the passing game is going to be key. Frankly, one of Jalen Rieger or Travis Fulgham needs to dramatically improve because I think we all believe Devonte Smith is going to produce somewhat in his rookie season. He's not. He's probably not going to come out and have a Justin Jefferson type rookie season, although he might. And that would certainly go a long way to helping Jalen Hurts become a star. But the number, the first round draft pick from last year has to step up in year number two. And I don't know what happened with Travis Fulgham last year. No one has been able to properly explain Travis Fulgham to me. I don't know whether we are just whistling Dixie with this guy. I don't know whether he actually is a good receiver. I don't know whether he has bad work habits, and that's why he wasn't playing, which was why he wasn't getting many targets. The Travis Fulcom reappearing-disappearing act was the most one of the most mind-bending aspects of the Eagles' 2020 season, and I still don't know. I still don't have a handle on what the heck was going on with Travis Fulgham. And I think with Jalen Rager, I, I don't love the energy. I don't, I don't love his route running. I think Jalen Rager needs to sharpen things up in his second season. If he can do that, he can make plays for this football team, and he can be a good complement to Devontae Smith on the other side of the field. Those three guys have the potential to form a pretty good wide receiving trio, but they got to do it. They got to put in the work, and they got to make it happen. And I think at least one of Rager or Fulgham has to dramatically improve in 2021 for this offense to actually put some points up on the board. And then I think Dallas Goddard has to be one of the five best tight ends in football. Dallas Goddard has to prove that he's ready to come out from behind Zach Ertz's shadow, perform week in and week out, stay on the field, stay healthy, and produce. Be, an all, be, a, be a Pro Bowl tight end. Because the talent's there. He has the ability to do that. I don't know if Zach Ertz is still going to be around. I kind of doubt Zach Ertz is going to be around by the time the season starts. But he's still there right now, so maybe you do use a lot of the 12 personnel early in the season. But Dallas Goddard, I think, has to be the clear number one tight end on this team. And he has to make an impact. He has to be a clear impact player for this team. He has at times, there are games where he does show up, but not enough in my opinion. And so I think Dallas Goddard has to be one of the better tight ends in football. This is a lot that has to go right for this football team in order for them to in order for them to to be true division contenders. And here's the other thing that has to happen. The Cowboys, the Washington football team, both have better rosters on paper than the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They have to stumble. Maybe they suffer an injury. Maybe they stumble coming out of the block. Maybe they have a quarterback issue. You know, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is awful for Washington. And none of the other additions they made on offense matter because Ryan Fitzpatrick's um, a Cinderella coach has turned back into a pumpkin, right? And and maybe Dallas just has, maybe Ezekiel Elliott's uh, lifespan has expired in Dallas and the offense can't find a rhythm without him. That offense has been predicated on Ezekiel Elliott for years and years and years. Maybe the offense isn't as good as we think it's going to be because Ezekiel Elliott isn't as good as it used to be anymore. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think that's a strong possibility. I think Dallas's offense is going to be quite good. But maybe Dallas's defense isn't improved. Maybe Dallas, they spent a lot of draft picks on it, but they did not improve it very much in free agency. So how much can the defense improve in one year when all you've done is add a bunch of draft picks? So that could hold Dallas back. And then you have the New York Giants. I don't know what to make of the Giants. They've had a lot of skill position players. They've got a ton of wide receivers, as you heard me talking to Evan about. But they might not be good. Daniel Jones may not be good. Daniel Jones may still be a turnover machine. And I don't know about the New York defense. So there is a possibility that all three of those teams might not be terribly good. So it's there. It's there for the Eagles. It is there. It's, it's not a non-zero chance that this football team 
can win the NFC East in 2021. But again, I'm going back to like a 25% chance that that happens. And maybe you think that's optimistic. I wouldn't blame you if you do, because coming off a four eleven and one season, an offseason in which they couldn't do much in free agency because of the salary cap mess they were in, they trade their franchise quarterback away, they fire a successful head coach, and they bring in a new head coach with no head coaching experience whatsoever, a guy who, you know, seems like he's a, a pretty fun guy to be around, but has not exactly inspired confidence, at least as far as I'm concerned, when I, when I hear him talk, May, Maybe he's smarter than I have any right to give him credit for, and maybe he's got it all together. But I don't think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. They certainly would not be my pick to win the NFC East. But when you look at all the factors, when you look at the possibilities, and you look at the odds, it's not a bad, it's not a bad place to throw down five bucks. You know what I mean? It's not a bad place to throw down five bucks, Eagles to win the NFC East in 2021. Again, I'm not calling it. I think it's like a 20, 25% chance that it happens, but it's not non-zero. And so I think this is a, I think those are the things that really need to happen. Most of those things need to happen if this football team is going to be a good football team here in 2021. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com for stopping by and chatting about the draft with me. Folks, don't forget to tell a friend about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and all of the great podcasts that we have for you. Uh, Don't forget to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day. I usually have an article a week up there, but we've got a ton of great writers putting out a ton of great content to keep you up to date on the latest news, information, and rumors about your Philadelphia. Eagles. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N.